Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. So we've been studying in our Alpha series, Um, you know, we're going week by week, and this week it's on the Bible, right? It's on the Bible, and so we're going to be starting to look at a scripture, I'm going to start by putting up a scripture here on the screen in Hebrews that describes the Bible or the Word of God itself. For the, lo- for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You know, I've been thinking a lot about swords lately because my husband Tori and I have been watching the show Cobra Kai. And in this, the fifth season finale, there, were, there was a pretty intense sword fight, not to spoil anything. But <laughs> for those of you that don't know, Cobra Kai is a Netflix show. It's a series that is a sequel to the original Karate Kid movies. Now, this show takes place 35 to 40 years after the, the original movies with the same cast and characters. And I have to be honest, uh, the inner fighter in me wants to come out. I have a little bit of a competitive side. And now my husband, Tori, is afraid of me because when he's not looking, I come around the corner and I practice my best karate moves (laughs) that I've been learning from the show. (laughs) So he's he's always on edge now. Sorry, babe. (laughs) So Tori and I have been watching this show. And, okay, it is kind of corny. Yes, Moses, I know it's corny. But <laughs> but the cliffhangers are unreal. And the show just has me and Tori. It has us burning to watch the next episode. And it's like midnight. And we're like, oh, we shouldn't. But it's, it's already playing, so I guess we have to. So we keep watching the show, right? And it's, we're just so invested in the characters. And we've been following them along the journey. And then it's like when the fifth season was over, then we're like, we don't know what to do with ourselves. So I'm like, I need more. I just want to get to know these people in real life. So I start Googling them, the characters. I I start looking on their IMDb page. I start seeing their relationship status. I want to know what they're like in real life. So I YouTube interviews about them to see if their personalities match what their characters are like. Anyone with me? Anyone do this with their favorite shows? Yeah, I know I'm not alone, right? So I just have this burning desire to get to know them more. And then that wasn't enough, right? So then Tori and I, we were like, hey, let's go back and rewatch all the original Karate Kid movies. And to be honest, we didn't really care that much about Karate Kid until we had this encounter with Cobra Kai, right? So we went back and we watched all the movies and we started to see all these parallels from the originals to the, the show and all the light bulb started to come off. We're like, wow, they use so many references and all these parallels. It's telling this one big unified story. And we got so into it. And then it dawned on me, wait a second. This is kind of like, you know, we watched the old movies. There's the new show. We were so into the new show, but not the old movies. But now we got this whole new perspective. This kind of reminds me of the Bible, right? Like, the Old Testament and the New Testament, 
And then it dawned on me, wow, I've been so passionate about researching these characters and learning all about this show and these actors, but I haven't had that same passion for reading the Bible. And I'm like, huh, why is it that I'm so passionate about Cobra Kai, but I, I haven't opened my Bible, I, I haven't gotten that same excitement about the Bible? Um, so I, I started to ask myself, how do I crave God's word in the same way that I crave Cobra Kai? <laughs> now that is such a deep question, right? And I know that I'm not alone, okay? Pick your poison. It doesn't have to be Cobra Kai. Okay, where are my Lord of the Rings fans? Rings of power, right? Same thing. Some of us are more interested in looking up commentaries of rings and power, uh, rings of power than we are looking up commentaries of the Bible. That's just, that's just a fact, right? So why is it so much easier to be passionate about these other things but not passionate about reading the Bible, right? Many of us think that Jesus is cool, but we tend to divorce him from the rest of the Bible. Do you love Jesus but have a disconnect with the Bible? Well, you're not alone. We're going to look here in a scripture that talks about Jesus' disciples having a disconnect with the word of God and what it took for the scriptures to come alive for them, to, to alive to them for, and for it to mean something. So we're going to be spending some time in a passage in the Gospel of Luke. And this, this passage, it takes place on the third day, right after Jesus' resurrection. And this is, these are two disciples walking on the road um, right after Jesus' resurrection. Let's pick up here, Luke 20, verse, chapter 24, verses 13 to 16. That very day, the two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And when they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened, while they were, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So let's imagine this scene for a moment. These two disciples are walking on this road back home to their village called Emmaus. And they're sad. They're talking to each other about everything that had just happened with Jesus' death and crucifixion. And Jesus is nearby, and he hears them talking, and he draws near to them and starts walking with them. And he, he kind of plays dumb and says, hey, what's up, guys? What are, you, what are you talking about? And they're like, are you living under a rock? Are you the only person that doesn't know what has just happened over the last couple of days? And he's like, what things? And they begin to unpack everything that had just happened. And they're talking about how sad and dejected they are. They said, you know, we thought that, that Jesus was going to be the one to redeem Israel, but then he was crucified. And then Jesus is like, oh, you guys, you don't get it. You, you just don't get it. Uh, you know, if, if only you knew that this had to happen for, in order for the Christ to enter into his glory. And we pick up here in verse 27. Then, beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he explained to them the things written about himself in all of the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going farther. So they strongly urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And it came about 
when he had reclined at the table with them, that he took the bread and blessed it, and he broke it and began giving it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. So he does a mic drop and pieces out right in front of them. They're like, what just happened? (laughs) And then they said to each other, were our hearts not burning within us when he was speaking to us on the road while he was explaining the scriptures to us. So let's unpack this for a moment. Okay, so Jesus is walking with them. This is a seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. So this is, they're on the road with each other for several hours. And Jesus is walking, and he's explaining and interpreting all of the Old Testament scriptures that point to himself, that point to Jesus. And they still don't recognize him. They still don't know that that's that's Jesus that they're talking to, right? And that who is teaching them the the word of God and how it all points to him, right? So they get to their home and they beg Jesus, please come in and stay with us. It's getting dark. So Jesus comes in and stays with them and they broke bread together. And it wasn't until they broke bread together that the, the disciples' eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus. And so the scriptures, Jesus was in the flesh with them, explaining all of the scriptures to them, and they still had a disconnect. It didn't all come together to them. It it didn't all come together for them until they broke bread with Jesus. And breaking bread is a symbol of friendship, of relationship, right? The scriptures didn't come alive until it was solidified with relationship, solidified by relationship with Jesus. And I think that's so important, right? If these disciples, if they were in the flesh with Jesus, receiving his teachings, and even they didn't get it, how are we going to get it unless we recognize that we need to view the scriptures in the, through the lens and with the context of having a relationship with Jesus? And their heart, what they talked about, they described their hearts burning. So this wasn't just head knowledge that they received. This evoked something inside of them. They felt something, right? And they described this feeling. And so I think that we need to pay attention to, th- to that. And we can learn something from the disciples. It was an encounter with the living God that brought meaning to the scriptures. It opened their eyes and everything clicked. All the light bulbs started to, to, to go off, right? So I think we can learn something. When is the last time that your heart burned? Now, I'm not talking about bad heartburn after you eat some really spicy Thai food. Where are all my Pepsid people at? Tums? Prilosec, I don't know. <laughs> right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about our hearts burning so deeply that it shakes us to the core of us, that, that we feel God is speaking directly to us. Just like the disciples, right? The Son of God was, was talking directly to them, and they didn't know it, but their hearts burned. But now we know it. We know that it's God, when, our, when we get this feeling in our heart, when we read the scriptures and we feel like whatever season, and, season of life we're in, that Jesus is speaking right to us, that we feel so seen and known, that's because of Jesus. He's, he is the living God speaking to you, just like he was speaking to the disciples. 
So we can learn from the disciples on the road that there are a few ways that our hearts can burn when we open up the scriptures. And number one, God's word burns in our hearts when it's personal. When it's personal. Just like the disciples, we often won't resonate with the scriptures until we recognize that, one, the whole Bible points to Jesus. Okay, The Bible and Jesus are a package deal. We cannot separate the two of them. And two, the scriptures come alive when we break bread with Jesus. When we read the scripture in the context of a relationship with him, when it's personal. The scriptures without Jesus are dead. My husband, Tori, had an encounter like the disciples when he came back to college shortly after we started dating. He grew up in the church, but the scriptures were dead to him. They didn't carry any weight when it came to his day-to-day life. It wasn't, they weren't living and active in his life. And he, he struggled. He went to college, and he tried to get plugged in with a church community, and he had some obstacles. He had some real obstacles. And then he lost the motivation, he lost the motivation to start going to church. Shortly after, I met him, and I just became a Christian. So I, I became a Christian in college. So we started dating, and I started asking him, hey, will you go to church with me? He said no. I asked him, will you go to Bible study with me? He said no. And I'm a very persistent person. I come from a sales background. So I asked him, like, <laughs> I asked him like every week, will you go to church with me? Will you go to church with me? Will you go to church with me? No, 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 no. He wouldn't go to church with me. Well, Unfortunately, his grandfather passed away shortly after. And the only thing that I really knew about his grandfather was that his favorite song was How Great Thou Art, a hymn that is based off of the Old Testament Psalms. And that song was very sentimental to Tori because when Tori was younger, he sang that song for his grandfather on his grandfather's birthday in church. And it was the only time that he ever saw his grandfather cry. And so that song has always stuck with him, knowing that that, that's his grandfather's song. So we went to the funeral. We went back to, you know, his hometown in Pennsylvania to the funeral. And it wasn't until then that he finally gave in and came back to church with me. So I brought him into church. It was his first Sunday at my church. And we walk in during worship. We were late. If anybody knows Tori, knows that he's always late, except for today. He was on time today. Good job. (laughs) So it was his fault that we were late, not mine. And we walk into the sanctuary, and the very next song to play was the hymn, How Great Thou Art. Now, Tori and I went to this church for a few more years. That was one of the only songs that that song, the only time that that song played. That was not a regular song or hymn that they played. So Tori, in that moment, his heart burned because he had an encounter with the living God. And he felt so seen and so known by God. And Tori doesn't get emotional often, but he had to run out of the sanctuary because he was in tears. It wrecked him. And that same boy who wouldn't open a Bible who wouldn't come to church with me, who wouldn't go to Bible study with me, five years later, he gifted me a Bible of my very own. And inside of it, he wrote a letter that I want to share with you this morning. 
Very sweet, I know. It says, Amy, I am honored to be the one writing in the cover of your Bible. Because of God's marvelous plan and his great grace, I have you to thank as a huge part of my rededication to Christ. Thank you for always expecting a lot of me. Expect a lot of yourself. It is my prayer that you will find the hope, joy, love, peace, and comfort, as well as the challenge, conviction, and improvement you seek in these pages. I pray that God uses this holy text to speak directly to you and through you and then to our family and to those who are lost. I, pl I pray that this is your mental and spiritual nourishment daily. I pray that this Bible is used to draw us closer to God and that as we become closer to him, we are closer to each other. I am thankful to be able to gift you God's word as we celebrate his son's birth. Joy to the world. Merry Christmas to the love of my life. Love, Tori. Can we give it up? <laughs> Let's give it up for Tori. But I think this letter articulates so beautifully the purpose of Scripture. Once, God, once, once Tori had that encounter with God, that drew him to the Scriptures. That drew him to the scriptures because it gave him a whole new perspective of what of how to view the scriptures, knowing that it was a there was a personal God trying to communicate to him through this book, through these collection, this collection and library of stories in which God interacts with his people. And now it's being used to interact with us today. God continues that through us. And just like I can't separate this letter from Tori because this letter signifies Tori's love and his thoughts and, and how he feels about me, right? I can't separate the letter from the author of the letter, Tori. Just like I can't separate that from him, we cannot separate Jesus from the Bible. We can't separate those two things. When it comes to the Bible, if you are reading it like it's a, just a letter being written to somebody else, it's boring. There's going to be a disconnect there. It's like when someone comes up to you and says, can I share, you, can I share with you a dream I had last night? Ugh, boring. <laughs> I don't really care unless it's about me. I don't really care about the dream. I'm just kidding. Sorry, no offense. You can share your dreams with me. It's okay. I just said that for dramatic effect. <laughs> but if we, view, if we view the Bible as personal and believe that God is speaking to us now through it, then everything changes. Everything. For example, have you ever received a letter from a secret admirer in middle school? Ooh, it's exhilarating. It is. And it's, you know, I, I remember I was in middle school. There was this guy, Anthony. Anthony, if you're out there, hope you're doing well. He wrote me this, he wrote me these letters during lunchtime. And every time I was like, ooh, because they were so personal and so thoughtful, right? Imagine if we looked at the Bible like that. Imagine if we got the same, you know, effect, those same jitters from, from, 
knowing that God is looking at us and saying that he loves us and he's with us. So when we have this new perspective and we know we're looking at the scriptures through the lens that it's personal, our our hearts can burn because then our hearts burn with conviction. So God speaks with us to convict us in a really loving way as well. God burns in our hearts when it prunes us. Say prunes us. Prunes us. Yes. This is necessary for us to follow Jesus fully and to be able to grow and to bear more fruit. Just like plants. Plants need pruning, right, to get rid of all the dead stuff so that they can grow more and they can bear more fruit. And that is our call as followers of Jesus. Jesus talks a lot about this in his parables, right? So in Matthew 13, the seed is described as the word of God. And when it's planted in good soil and we hear the word and understand it, then we bear fruit. And Jesus expands on this this concept in John 15 when the branches that bear fruit, get, they get pruned so they can bear more fruit. Otherwise, we as the branches, are, we're going to be limited in what we're going to be able to accomplish for God's will. But when we're connected to the vine, who is Jesus, then the fruit is unlimited. Lots and lots of fruit. God has a way a very tenderly and lovingly showing us when we've separated from God. And he has this way about him through the scriptures to bring, him back, bring us back to himself, right? The goal of scripture is not to condemn people. It's not to ostracize people. It's not to oppress people. And I want to say here as a church leader standing on this stage, that that's unacceptable. And if you are a victim to being oppressed or harmed or manipulated by scripture, I am so sorry. And that is not right. That is not God's intent for scripture. So if that's you and you're going through a healing journey with church and the Bible, will you give God a second chance? Will you allow that healing to take place? knowing that the word of God is meant to bring life and not death. Let's go back to the verse in Hebrews, which I think really describes this well, of God being able to speak to us and really get to the depths of our heart. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Bible isn't just a book that you read. It's a book that reads you. Will you allow allow the word of God to read you? In the only way that God knows how. We may not receive it from our husband or our wife or our friend or our pastor, but will will you receive it from God in the scriptures? And I'm praying that you do receive it from your pastors 
because I, I know there's a lot of prayer that goes into hearing the, the word of God. We need, to be, we need to be linked with God. But I believe his spirit is moving this morning. You know, when I allow myself to be pruned by the word of God, it doesn't make me feel like crap about myself. It's actually the opposite. I feel free. I'm like, wow, God, you care. You care enough to, to let me know. For example, recently I was very frustrated about the situation, and I started to grow bitter. And I was like, you know what? I, f- I, I feel that I'm uh, you know, getting some bitterness here. So I opened up my Bible, and the passage, of, the passage that I read that day spoke directly to my situation, and it softened my heart. And I was able to have compassion. It brought me back to the heart of God. That's when the scripture gives life. But when we allow the word of God to touch our hearts and shape us, we grow and we bear fruit in order for God to accomplish what he wants to accomplish through us. And that leads me to the third way that we can experience the burning of our hearts through scripture. And that's when it guides us in our purpose. God's word burns in our hearts when it guides us in our purpose. When those two disciples had that encounter with Jesus, they didn't just keep it to themselves. They couldn't contain it. They were so excited that they went and they shared their story. Luke 24, 35 says, Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. Their burning hearts, through the word of God, guided them in their purpose and led them to spreading the good news about Jesus and that he was alive. Doesn't that sound familiar? That's the Great Commission. That's why we're here. That's the call of us today. The writers of the Bible want you to adopt their story as your story, to carry on God's legacy. That's what legacy is all about. It's not about us. It's about what God wants to do. And it's to bring people to himself, bringing everybody in, saying, I love you and you belong to me. You don't belong to all the other crappy things in the world. You belong to me. I want to share with you how the word of God and how the scriptures burned in my heart to get me to where I am today. I would not be talking to you right now if it was not for the scriptures guiding me in my purpose. About five years ago, Tori and I moved out to Washington to advance my career in corporate America. I thought I was gonna retire at this company. Came out here and we found Kalos right away, which was a huge answer to prayer. But after that, I went into a two-year depression and my job was a lot harder than I expected. I felt like I wasn't doing enough, like I was failing, I felt isolated, I felt like I lost my sense of self and my sense of purpose. 
Well, eventually, I, I took a trip back to Michigan to go visit my old church and to visit some friends. And during that time, went to church, the pastor interrupted worship to share a scripture that he said he felt was, you know, was for somebody there that day. And that scripture arrested me. It totally wrecked me and my heart burned knowing that God was speaking to me and that I was meant to be there that day. Six months later, I went on a camping trip with Zach and Becca Snyder and I was talking about how I felt like God was preparing my heart for a change. I felt stirred that I wanted to work with young people, but I didn't know in what capacity I felt I felt like something was coming, but I had no idea. I had no direction of what that meant. I just felt like God saw me. He saw I was being faithful, and he said, stay put, but I had nothing else. Well, at that time, Becca and Zach introduced me, introduced me to the, the staff position that had just opened up, the kids director position at Kalos. And I don't know what it was, but as they started to describe it, I started getting so giddy, like a little girl. I couldn't, I couldn't shake it, I couldn't stop thinking about it. But I didn't know how to proceed. I was like, I'm, I'm committed to this career. I, you know, I, I, I gave a five-year handshake saying I was gonna be here for, for so much time and I, I'm a loyalist, right? I don't like to walk away from things. But after that, that week I prayed to God. I said, God, please, can you give me a scripture? Can you confirm that I'm meant to proceed with the interview process, that, that I'm being released from my job? I just, wanna, I just wanna do what you want me to do. And that week, God gave me the same scripture twice from two different people that confirmed exactly that I was supposed to move on. It literally said, you have stayed on this mountain long enough, pack up and move on, move on. And these were seemingly unrelated events, but right away I knew and my heart burned with that scripture. A few weeks later, I accepted the, the position to be on staff at Kalos as the kids director. I accepted the position and it was my birthday. And I received a birthday card from a friend. I opened up the birthday card and it was the same scripture that was what the pastor shared back at the church service in Michigan that I went back to, right? So are you tracking with me? And the guy, the guy who wrote my birthday card apologized and he said, hey, I know this is a really random scripture. It doesn't really make sense, but I asked God if, if he would give me a scripture to give you and this is the one he gave, so sorry if it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and with tears in my eyes, I said, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. And that scripture, I didn't even realize it until right now, and I'm believing that it's my heart burning for scripture. That scripture said, shout, for I will give you the city. And I believe, I didn't realize it then, but right now I feel like the Lord is saying that he is giving us the city of Bellevue, not for our glory, but for his glory. In our prayer meeting, yes, thank you, Jesus. 
In the prayer meeting this morning, Josh Shrestha was praying for the service today. He's in the back on our, on our team. And he said he was praying last night and he got a vision of the city of our city being lifted up and that God, he felt like God was saying he wants to take our city to new heights and that we'll be able to see it from a different perspective, from his perspective. And so I wanna say, will you say with me right now, shout. For he, I will give you the city. I feel like that's God speaking to us right now. And I wanna let you know that it doesn't stop there. It didn't stop with me. God is, this is what, like I said, this is what legacy is all about, right? We, when I, when, when Kalos first launched, we had one kid and his name is Obi Jiva. And shortly after launch, he was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. And he was struggling to participate in the kids' lessons. When I came on staff, we had another family with a boy with autism. And they ended up leaving our church. And they said, hey, we just don't feel like Kalos can accommodate our family and our son's needs. And that broke my heart. So we had one kid that left, one kid that stayed, and around that time, a scripture burned in my heart. And that was in Luke 14, the parable of the great banquet. In the parable of the great banquet, God says, and, and he's, he, this is the master, but God is saying, go out into the highways and the byways and go and get the, the poor, the lame, the crippled, the blind, so that my house may be full. There's more room. And God gave me vision for a special needs ministry. He said, make room so that my house may be full. And that's what's happening right now. This isn't about me, it's about God. We have a whole full team of kids, volunteers, of volunteers that are buddies. We have a fully functioning buddy program for kids with special needs. Obi and others are, are thriving, being able, being able to fully participate in the lessons. And I attribute that to God. You know, we have over 50 kids coming every week in our kids ministry on average, and they are hearing the gospel every week. And as a church, as Kalos Church, we are raising up the next generation to go out and continue to spread the good news. So I just wanna thank you for being a part of what God is doing. And that's the power of scripture. None of this would happen if it wasn't for God speaking to us through scripture. So maybe you're here today saying, you know what, I, I've already read the whole Bible and it's still, you know, I, I don't, there's nothing else for me to know. Or maybe you're here and you're saying, maybe you're feeling like those disciples on the road where you're just feeling so sad and dejected. You just can't even engage. You can't even, you can't even recognize God because you're, you're feeling so heartbroken because of some trials that you've gone through. Maybe you've never experienced this before. Maybe, you know, you hear me talking about heartburn and you're like, this is some wacky stuff going on. I have no idea. But if you feel something, if something is being evoked inside of you at all right now, I believe that is Jesus trying to speak to you, that it is an encounter with the living God who wants a personal relationship with you. 
So I want us to engage right now I want with the living God who loves you, who wants to guide you. He wants you to know him. He wants to help you grow and to bear fruit. And he wants to guide you in your purpose. We're going to take a moment, if everybody could close their eyes right now and just ask the Lord how he would have you engage with him through scripture. If you would ask him for a personal encounter with him. And if you're here this morning and you've never had that before, but you want to give Jesus a try, that you want to acknowledge his presence, that he's here with you this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to boldly, in a private moment, everyone's eyes are closed, but boldly raise your hand and, and acknowledge, yes, Jesus, I see you and I want to start a relationship with you. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. I see your hand. Thank you, you can put it down. See your hand, thank you. Anyone else? Amen, amen. All right, you may open your eyes. If you raised your hand this morning, I wanna thank you. And there's a number here on the screen. We don't want you to be left hanging, right? We don't want you to say, oh, now what? What do I do now? You can send a text message to Jesus425, or sec, no, sorry, send a text to Jesus425 to the number 9400, and we'll help you get plugged in. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.